Here we go! Well, I do seem to attract the scum of the earth. Yeah, that sounds about right. Watch out! <laughs> Boy, you are not ready. Do what you were born to do. You are a hero. Finishing this fight. All right, let's get started here with episode 28 of the Current Gen Podcast. My name is Tim, and right now I'm just here with Derek. Uh, yeah, I'm here. Yeah, there's no Dan. No Dan on the line. Hopefully he'll be able to join us. He's having some internet issues. And um, scheduling around all of our personal family schedules is always a challenge. So we're going to give this a whirl and hopefully Dan can can join us. If you can't tell, I'm fighting a bit of a cold. It's going through our whole family here. So apologies ahead of time. I'll try to mute myself if I feel some sneezes and whatnot. But um, I'll also ask Derek some things that I know he's excited about and let him talk. And that's what I'll take advantage to uh, clear the passageways. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah, it sounds disgusting. All right, great. All right, um, <laughs> we've got a bunch to talk about this week. It's It was a, I felt like an unexpectedly busy week of news. All kinds of stuff getting announced and talked about. But before we get into all the news, I thought it'd be cool to touch base on some of the games we're playing. It's kind of an interesting week from, from what I've seen, especially between Derek and I playing a little bit of throwback uh, games recently. Um, so Derek, why don't you start us off? What are the things that you're playing these days and, uh, and what are you thinking about? Uh, well, there's only one game I'm like mainly playing, although we'll talk about some other games that just launched that I, you know, dabbled in a little bit, but the main one I'm playing is Dark Souls, which is kind of, I don't know. I, I, I think some people would be like, oh, you like those games, so it's not surprising, but I don't like Dark Souls, or I never really liked Dark Souls. Like, I bought it when it came out. I remember when it came out, because it came out the same day as Mortal Kombat uh, 9, so the reboot. And I actually did, like, the deal at Toys R Us, buy two, get one free, so I picked Dark Souls as one of my games. And I remember the first time I, like, booted up and you fight that boss, and I'm like, what the hell? I don't know if you've played Dark Souls, like, the first one. But the so I do one, have it on the Switch, and I've played it a little bit, um, not super far. And I really loved Bloodborne. Didn't expect to, but I loved it. Mm-hmm. And I don't love Dark Souls, but I can see the appeal. But it's not my favorite. Okay. Well, and that would probably be my opinion. Like, you know, the very first time I played it, like, they, they throw you into a boss fight real early on, which isn't, like, surprising with the Souls-type games. But they threw you into it with, like, a broken sword. So I wasn't doing anything, and he was, like, one-shotting me. Yeah, you're not so, supposed to beat him. No. And it wasn't until later, and I'm talking, like, a long time later when people started talking about the game more, and I started looking into it because I just decided. I was, like, one of those guys you see on the internet all the time. It's not for me. Like, that was, that was my, <laughs> my attitude towards the game. Hey, I'm glad you guys like it. It's just not yeah. for me. You know, so. But anyway, so I... I had dabbled in Dark Souls like a few times. Like I, I probably started on three different systems and and gotten pretty much to the same spot, which which is I beat like the first couple of bosses because they're real, real easy. 
and then after that I lose interest and it's not because it, it ever got too hard I just I just didn't I don't know I didn't really want to play it it didn't feel like Dark Souls 3 which makes sense because Dark Souls 3 is you know the third one right and so they they fixed some of the things they made it a little bit faster um well I say fix some things but if you have a conversation with Sasan or somebody like him he'll say that they broke certain yeah some people don't like the way they tried to become a little more like Bloodborne in some small ways you know well I don't know if a lot of people have issues with the gameplay uh as much as they have issues with how they they did the world and some stuff like that and I will say this I'm by the way I'm like 30 hours into Dark Souls so I just started it like my PC playthrough I think I started it thursday so in like three days i've covered like 30 hours okay so it's okay let me just pause for a second that alone tells me regardless of what qualms you have with it you like this game oh i'm like obsessed with it now in fact like um sasan and i usually all we do is like harass each other and tell each other to shut up and all that stuff and f off we're actually having like real conversations now. Like I'm texting him and I'll be like, I just beat this guy on the first try. He's like, awesome job. Now go here, do this, do that. Um, yeah. So I started the game, I think at a, like a level five or six, my character is now level 70. Um, I'm, I'm doing real good. Like I'm beating bosses on the first try. And I've always said like, I'm pretty good at Dark Souls games. Like, I'm not great, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm not even saying, I'm not even bragging to say I'm really good at this one. I think it's just playing all the more modern ones has actually made this one a little bit easier. Plus, I am definitely uh, smarter as far as how these games work. So I understand how to level my character. Do you so, feel like the muscle memory you learn in from soft or you know souls like games helps you in other ones? So like the amount of yeah. Bloodborne and Dark Souls three you've played and and other games Sekiro and things like that, I would imagine that muscle memory. I'm not saying those games are exactly alike; they're definitely not. But you know what patterns to look for. You know kind of what the bosses are kind of gonna do and what they're gonna be like. Yeah, and that's what I was kind of saying about with Dark Souls three. Like, I'm not even going to say, like, Dark Souls is easier than Dark Souls 3 because I don't think I'm far enough in. I think this game's way bigger than all the other... Boy, if you're level 70, how many levels are in that game? Well, I I am OP right now. And I think that's why I'm beating some of these bosses easily. Like, I really am shocked how easy I am beating these bosses. Um, Like, the last one I just fought, like, literally... Well, we, you and I have been on the phone for about 10, 15 minutes, but I literally beat the boss and then walked upstairs and, and joined your call. Um, he didn't touch me. I, I, and I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not calling in help either. I'm soloing these guys. He didn't touch me. He was a big, like, golem dude, and I just was going in between his legs and, and beating his legs down. But I'm so powerful my armor is like the heaviest armor in the game, meaning it can take the most from anything. Like, it, like physical attacks don't do much to it, um, and even like um, ele- elemental attacks or anything like that, pyromancers or anything like that, they do damage, but it's not significant compared to all the other armor I was wearing earlier in the game, which was still good armor, by the way. 
But this arm armor I've unlocked, it's basically unplayable if you don't have a certain ring, uh, which I won't go into because I'm not going to bore our listeners. But there's a ring that allows you to basically double the weight and still be able to move, like the weight that you equip, but still be able to move and and roll and you're not fat rolling. I unlock that ring, so I don't ever take that ring off unless I have to. And so that allows me to equip the equip this uh, this whole set of gear that I'm not going to say it's OP because again the way they design these games is it might be OP in some first against some bosses and enemies, but then other ones you have to take it off because the footing isn't good. Um, like there's areas that I was in earlier today that I had to take it off because. I was walking in mud, and that is only going to just slow you down even more. So it's an amazing game. I've beat like eight or nine bosses. I know I've got probably another eight to ten, maybe more than that. There's a ton of areas I've got to get through, but um, I really, really like this game. Like, it's it's way higher than if you would have asked me, you know, well... Last week, I would have been like, Thorful's decent, but it's not great. I, I just didn't, I can't explain it. I just did not have a desire to play it. And I think it was because I felt like it was dated. And in, in a sense, it is, gameplay-wise. Like, the type of bosses, kind of getting back to what you were saying, like, sometimes I'm fighting these bosses. And again, maybe it's because I'm OP, or maybe I'm just better at this game than I realized. And it's from playing the more modern Souls games... Now I'm playing this one, and I feel like everything's slower. Does that make sense? Like, the bosses, yep. while they're supposed to intimidate you, they don't intimidate me anymore because I've played enough Souls games that when I go into an arena, I'm not intimidated by them, and I can see how slow their movements are. And I'm like, oh, well, I just know from fighting similar bosses, like the way they look, I'm like, oh, like, for instance, I'll give an example. One of them that I beat, the Gaping Dragon, he has a huge tail. So obviously he's going to attack with a tail. Well, also, if you've ever played any Souls games, tails are vulnerable. Whack them off. So that's what you do. You just try to stay behind him, stay by his tail. All of his attacks were very um, obvious what he was doing, except like the first time I fought him, I didn't see him moving as quick as he did as far as swinging his tail, and he, he killed me um, with, I think, two or three hits. Uh, after that, though, I figured out what he was doing, his pattern, and then I just cut his tail off, and then he was basically, he was a one-trick pony, and and I killed him like because it wasn't that difficult. Yeah, the idea of chopping off a tail of a big monster totally makes me think of Monster Hunter, but yeah. Great game, though, man. Yeah, absolutely amazing game. And it's probably oh, all that time with The Witcher Three, you know, which has better combat than Bloodborne. We've yeah. heard. Um. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, I will say this: the part I didn't hit on that that people like Sasan and all all them, and I'm seeing it now as I get deeper in the game. Everything is connected. So, for instance, like in Dark Souls Three, because I didn't play a lot of Dark Souls Two. I think I beat a couple bosses in that one too. Um, but in Dark Souls 3, the world isn't interconnected. That's why they allow you to actually to, um, to fast travel from Firelink to Firelink. This game, the entire area. So every new area you go to, 
is linked somewhere you've been before or somewhere you're going or both. There's multiple entries into every area and they're not noticeable. Sometimes they're hidden behind invisible walls. All these areas are connected all to this one spot. And that's why I'm 30 hours into this game and I can't fast travel. Now, eventually you unlock the ability to fast travel from Firelink to Firelink, but I don't have the ability. But the game doesn't necessarily, you don't need it because the way they've designed it is like, oh, we know you need to get here. Well, it's connected. You just got to keep playing through or you can turn around and go back, but you're wasting your time. You should keep fighting through and you'll see that it's all connected. So, it sounds crazy to me, the idea of being level 70 in any game and not having fast travel yet. But I, I see what you're saying. It just sounds crazy. And keep in mind, I am OP. I know I said that, but when I say I'm yeah, OP... You've gained like I'm, nine levels per boss. That's nuts. I'm like 25 levels higher than one of the walkthrough guys that I watch. And he's really good at these games. And I'm like 25 levels higher than him. Because I... Um, it actually was Sasan who told me, but then I saw it was an IGN guide too. There's an area that you can unlock a, a door that's 20,000 souls. So it's real expensive, but you can, you can get access to it pretty early in the game. But everybody in that area, the $20,000 door area, is really hard. And the first thing you do when you walk in that area is you get attacked by four like NPC characters. And they they will all attack you all at once. So you have really no chance of surviving. But there's a... I don't know if it's a glitch or that they actually purposely designed it this way to just be an area where you could farm. But you just run into a corner, put your shield up, and they get confused and they run above you and then they fall off the cliff. Oh, gotcha. So I did that for like two hours this morning. I just let <laughs> these guys fall off the cliff. I kept... It's right next to a Firelink Shrine, and I just uh, would just... You cheesed it a little. You cheesed it. Yeah, I reset the world, and I kept doing it, and you get anywhere from two to 3,000 per person that falls off the cliff. So I was getting about 7,000 to sometimes 8,000 souls, and it takes at max maybe a minute and a half, two minutes for them to do it, because all you do is run out there, get them to chase you, and then you run in that corner, and sometimes they don't. They'll just stand around and wait for you or whatever. But other times they just fly right off the cliff. I'm like, oh, this is super cool. These idiots are, are making this easier for me. So, I mean, sure, that part of the story makes this whole thing sound less impressive. But anyway, it does sound in general like you're doing pretty good at the game, which is awesome. No, I was doing good before that. That was just more to so I could start using weapons I had unlocked that I wanted to use. So in a minute, I want to hear about your thoughts on Kingdom of Amalur Re-Reckoning as well. Um, just wanted to mention that I actually have kind of fallen off of Marvel's Avengers a little bit. I don't I don't want to change what I said last week, and I really do like it. It's a really enjoyable game, high production value. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you, the, their choice of mission structure in this game, at least for me personally, some people might love it, it really was a, a poor design for someone like me who a Marvel game like this I really just want to play through the next story mission. And if you give me some optional side missions, that's fine. But they make it really obtuse, the whole map system and going in the Quinjet back and forth between missions and mm-hmm. um, knowing which characters to use and really just how to even just play offline. Just let me play with my NPC characters 
my sidekicks and all that. It's just not very intuitive. And uh, honestly, that whole waiting between missions to fly back and forth, back and forth, and then use the war table, it's pretty off-putting for someone who just wants a single-player experience here. So uh, I'll, I'll keep playing it, but I have fallen off a bit because I got distracted by a different online game that is uh, Star Wars The Old Republic. They started pinging me with some advertisements again for this game, and I was like, oh, I wonder what this game's up to. You know, it's been like nine years, I think, since it came out. Mm-hmm. I think the last time I played it was probably 2014, uh, 20, 2013, maybe. Okay. Um, and so I logged back in. Of course, any characters I want to use again, I have to rename because those names have been long gone. Other people have claimed them. So I had to rename a couple characters. Uh, I don't have access to everything I used to because I'm not a subscriber, but it's now a free-to-play game, which is cool. You can really jump in, and just for folks who haven't played it before, it is a free-to-play Bioware experience, and you can completely ignore all other online players. You can turn off the global chat, and and other than seeing them running around the world, you can play this like a single-player Bioware game, and I think it's actually still quite fun. I think that voice acting and stories hold up pretty well. Um, I think it's. I think you it's. Know really what's hilarious though, right? Is you're basically playing a MMO version of like a Dragon Age. Nah. Just because it's Star Wars, you're playing it. But nah. If it was a Dragon Age game, you'd be like, oh, I can get into it. I will admit, no, it really is like gameplay wise because I played it. Yeah, it's pretty close to Dragon. It is a, uh, it, to me, it's one of the more fun MMOs I've played before. I used to play World of Warcraft and EverQuest 2 and Guild Wars 2. Um, but this one was always one of the more fun ones, I thought. And I also like the choices you get to make, all the dialogue choices. And it's set in the Star Wars universe. And even though it's set, you know, thousands of years before the events of the movies that we've all either love or hate, I guess, um, uh, the stories are really interesting. And They've got eight completely separate storylines, and even those can have different branches depending on decisions that you make because each class has their own storyline. Some of them intersect. So like if you play a Jedi Knight and then another run with a Jedi Guardian, you're going to have some similar storylines that intersect, but you'll also have your own separate, you know, unique-to-you story. So uh, I had only completed two of those back when I played it. I had completed the Bounty Hunter and the Sith uh, Marauder. And so... Um, this time I'm playing through as a trooper, like as a commando, and then I'll try one of the Jedi characters. So I'm really digging it. There's a lot to access, even at the free mode. Um, they're pretty generous with the cartel coins, which is your in-game currency to you know do your micro transactions. All that stuff is there. But if if you are just if you're okay with playing the base game, there's so much to do. There's tons to do, uh, and a lot of story to uncover. Um, for folks who are really concerned about having all the aesthetics and the coolest looking mounts and the best looking armor, you're going to have to spend some money. But if you're okay with playing through at a pretty, pretty um, basic level, uh, then it's really fun. You can play all the way up through level 60, get all the story content, except for some of the recent DLC. It's pretty fantastic. So I recommend it. I'm, I'm having fun with that one. I think I actually try to play it. Not recently, but probably like a couple of years ago when I got... Actually, I think it was one of the first games I played on my PC. And I thought it was cool, but I didn't know what the hell I was doing, so I just gave up. It can get super overwhelming. They have so many systems in there. Everything from building your own stronghold to crafting and, and scavenging and all that. If you just focus in on combat and leveling up and get into your next story mission, it's pretty fun. 
pretty fun game. So I think the other stuff's fun too, if you're into that. But, um, and the other thing I was going to mention is, uh, I just today got ring fit adventure, um, just came in the mail. It's something that's actually been hard to find with quarantine stuff. I guess they were really a hot item for a while there. Everyone was wanting to do workout from home stuff. Um, but anyway, so we got ring fit adventure. I fired it up for the first time today. My initial impressions are this is a really, yet another really creative, really kind of strange, um, product that Nintendo made and they synced it up with their, with their hardware. So it's just really, it's basically a steering wheel. And then this, um, it kind of looks like a little pouch you might strap onto your leg or arm if you're going out running, but you strap it around your thigh and you put one Joy-Con in there so it can sense your leg movements while you're running or if you're squatting. And then you have this, the other Joy-Con goes into the steering wheel that you use and it's actually uh, bendable. It's actually like an exercise ring, essentially. So you can either pull it apart or squeeze it together. And it, it's uh, it's interesting. They, really, they actually created a game around exercise. There's like an actual adventure game you go through and fight enemies and try to level up and stuff. So... Um, so far, it's very creative, very charming. Why? And why did you buy it? You bought it for you, or yeah, I bought it for me. Bought it for the family. I thought it'd be fun. We we had a blast as a family playing Wii Fit. Okay. So I thought this would be similar, and it has really great reviews. And I kept reading good stuff about it. So I was right in terms of my family's interest. The whole family gathered around, and they all want to take turns on it. So it's just a nice, uh, a nice family one. So it's fine. It's not something I recommend go buy immediately if you're a big gamer, but if you kind of liked Wii Fit and you don't mind having something like that, maybe you've got someone like a, a spouse or girlfriend or boyfriend who's not into games, this might be something you can get them to try with you. It's it's interesting. But it, it is actually exercise, just to be clear. Like, it actually is, you're going to work out, so. That's good. Yeah. So tell me about Kingdom of Amalur Re-Reckoning. I know that there was a lot of hype for this. You specifically were excited for this. What do you think about it so far? What's the good and the bad? All right, so um, I did get it on PC um, because it was actually I got the Fates edition, which if you don't know what that is, that's the forty dollar Kingdom of Amalur version or remaster plus the future DLC that's coming out. So in twenty twenty one, they're making new content for the game. So that'll be pretty cool because I'm interested to see how it looks, like how modern it looks. Or if they're just going to make it look like the remastered, that would be weird. But anyway, so that's supposed to be, that was a $55 um, game that uh, I ended up getting for $22. So I was completely okay with doing that. And I got to say, as somebody who owns Kingdom of Amalur on the PC 360 as well, and then just bought this remaster version, it's not a huge upgrade but it is a upgrade even on pc and if you definitely only owned it on ps3 and 360 it's actually a really big upgrade um visually but for an actual remaster it is bare bottoms bare bottom um they did uh i think you mean i think you mean bare bones because both of those are pretty kinky so (laughs) That was my porn talk. This time. remaster is bare, bare bottom, bottom, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yes, you're correct. I, I felt like something was wrong. And then I just <laughs> repeated myself. I'm like, oh. That sounds like right. something my mom would say. Something like, I'm going to spank you on your bare bottom. Like That sounds like yes. something. <laughs> anyway. Right, but Okay, so, so I, I have been reading about how this isn't an impressive, impressive visual upgrade that some folks were hoping for. It sounds like if you had last gen consoles, 
and now jump to the PC version, you'll like it. But maybe you would have also appreciated it jumping to the old version of it on PC as well. It just depends on the power of the machine. So yeah, um, so I'm, there is. I'm wondering if the though. gameplay is any different. Like, does it play? Do they add any features? Is it is that part worth revisiting? So it, it's it's a little less janky because I did I did want to do a comparison because I did actually boot up my PC version or copy probably two months ago when they whenever they announced it because I was like oh I'm excited I want to want to play this game again just kind of reminisce and get a feel for it again and i was like man this is jankier than i remember like it still plays good but the camera is like kind of all over the place i do feel like they they definitely fix some of the minor issues like that because it wasn't like it was janky but it wasn't like broken it wasn't annoying or anything like that um i do think they cleaned that up they cleaned up the way the game looks um, I'll speak for the PC version. Obviously, on the Xbox and PS4, they're not going to have these options, like not all these options. But the reason why I say it was bare bones is they didn't have like a lot of graphical options. Like the the, the original PC version didn't, and then this one really did, um, which is kind of disappointing. They did uh, give you a slider for your field of view, which is good, which the original PC version did not have. Because the game's kind of, it's third person, but it's kind of up close. And in an action RPG where you've got enemies kind of surrounding you a lot of the times, it's nice to be able to slide it backwards. And I did the same same thing with Horizon Zero Dawn. That's a third person action. Well, can be an action game, but it's really more stealth. But still, you got to be aware of all the enemies that are around. Um, so to be able to slide the camera back is a, a huge plus. And then there's some smaller graphical changes, you know, to clean it up a little bit more. But I got to say, I played it on my native, uh, I played it on my 4K monitor, the one I always brag about that I love. Um, and it looked gorgeous. And it was running above 60 frames per second with everything, you know, on high at the highest level. So, and again, it's the last gen game. So it kind of makes sense that I'd be able to do it on my PC at that level, but plays, play, plays decent, looks good. Um, again, could have been better, but I think with the art style, I think, uh, people are so used to looking at more realistic games this gen. And this definitely looks like a cartoony last gen type game. It's just cleaner. Again, if you boot up the 360 version, which I did do that actually the day this game came out, uh, last week, um, you can definitely tell it's way cleaner. But overall, I think it's worth the money. Like if you were, if you were someone that was, yeah, like, how much ah. is it? Um, so it was forty, or it's really ten percent off for I think the first couple months. So it's either thirty six dollars or fifty, depending on what version you get. If you're a PC player and you own the game prior you get the 60% discount, which is what I took advantage of. So you can either get it for $16 for the $40 version or $22 for the $55 version. And I mean, this um, is a pretty meaty game, right? Isn't this a pretty large game? Yeah. yeah. To do? There's a, there's a lot, a lot of, it, it's, it looks kind of like they were trying to make a 
wow type experience but they wanted to make it a single player narrative game but the look of it and all the quests that you get um it's very much an mmo style game um but yeah so there's a lot to it um and the world's not huge it's not an open world game they kind of present it like it looks like it's going to be open world but it's just a lot of pathways um so that was kind of what i think bummed out a lot of people but it was a new game. It wasn't a sequel. It was a new system, new um, new world, all that. So I kind of get that, you know, for that first game, they kept it a little bit smaller in terms of, like, world. Um, but that's one of the reasons why I always wanted a sequel. I felt like they nailed the stuff that back then, I think it's important to say this, that back then games did not have or did not do very well. Like a good game to to compare it to was it actually came out the same year as Skyrim. And so Skyrim's this big open world RPG. I cannot be alone in this and I don't understand how people don't crap on the Elder Scrolls games more. They play like complete and utter trash. Ooh, I'm not talking about like I'm not talking about like technical like hiccups and issues. I'm talking about they're absolutely bland and boring to play. They're not fun to play at all. And and I've heard some people say, no, that's, that's not why you play them. You play them to, to explore the world and do whatever the hell you want in that world. And I was like, yeah, hey, I get that. But they're for an RPG, they're yeah. terrible. You're supposed in to fact, fight dragons. I mean, if fighting dragons and fighting enemies isn't as fun as it should be, I think that's a problem. That's why I always struggled to get in the Skyrim. I've tried that starting that game three times and mm-hmm. I always really like the opening and I really get excited when the world opens up, you can explore wherever you want. You can rob any house you want, like all that stuff. The option, you know, the world is yours is very exciting. And then when you get into an encounter, I'm like, Oh, both melee and ranged combat. Not that fun. Okay. No, that's pretty terrible. Um, and that's what that was the point I was trying to make is that Kingdom of Amalur, Amalur, when it came out, like not a lot of RPGs had the fluid combat that these guys created in the game. Like they took like God of War style combat and put it in an RPG. So they did an outstanding job on on certain things that they they had implemented in this game that nobody else was doing at the time. And that's why some reviewers again. IGN actually gave it a 9, but then the remastered, a new reviewer reviewed it, gave it a 6. But if you go back to the original reviewer who gave it a 9, he even talks about this game's doing this and this and this that no other game does or no other RPG did at the time. Well, now the person reviewing is like, ah, they did a bare-bones version of this, like bringing it to current gen, and all the things we praise it for, well, most games do it now. So, or do it better. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so as long so as you have expectations in check, then it should be fine, right? As long as you're not expecting a brand new game, you know. Did you ever play this game? I never original? did. Nope, never did. I actually think you would like it. I think when it goes on sale or something like that, um, you should buy it. Especially Are there any the similarities with something like Dragon's Dogma? Because that's when I had skipped and then I jumped into it. And I really, I, I still have it installed because I plan on continuing it. I played it on and off for probably 10, 12 hours and really enjoyed a lot of that game. Combat-wise, yeah. 
it's that action RPG. I think Kingdoms of MLR has better combat though. Um, but Dragon's Dogma, which anybody who's listened to our show for a while knows I'm a huge fan of, that has a better world. Like it's just this open, hey, just go on an adventure. Like that's how I played that game and I absolutely loved it. Kingdoms of Amalur is more of like, for me at least, when I play it, I'm like, okay, I just want to go from one assignment to the next. I'm not here to explore because there's not much to explore. I'm just here for the combat. I'm not really here for the story because the story is kind of like, okay, cool, whatever. Um, But what's really good in this game is the combat and um, the loot system. You loot like crazy. Like, in fact, if you buy this version of the game, they give you all the DLC armor and weapons, so you actually have no way of picking up anything new in the game. In fact, uh, uh, Dan Phillips made a post, and he was like, hey guys, um, just started the game, I have all this stuff, which is really high-level stuff, but I can't pick anything up, I can't do anything, is there anywhere to put storage and I, and I did some research, too, because I couldn't remember. And You do get stores, but it's later in the game. So you actually need to sell some really good equipment in the beginning of the game. And then if you want to buy it back, you can. But, yeah, they overwhelm you with stuff. And they don't to me, that's really... one of the big gaming hurdles that I'd love to see some developer tackle and create some really inventive ways for inventory management. Cause that is one of the things that even in my favorite games of all time, Witcher three and stuff like that. And even in the star Wars older public that I'm really enjoying right now, inventory management is taking up way too much time and stress as you explore that game. So I'd love for some company to come up with a much more creative way uh, outside of, you know, the weight or just number of item slots and things like that. I'd, I'd love for someone to come up with something better, but. There's got to be something, but it is, I would say it's got to be kind of a um, a difficult thing to do because... Um, well, yeah, then because it doesn't have, have like a Mary Poppins to... bag that has no never Yeah, like space. for instance, with Dark Souls, I get a lot of armor. There's a lot, but a lot of it's trash. There's a lot of armor sets, but they're in my inventory. I didn't buy a storage box, so they're literally in my inventory, so I've got hundreds and hundreds of pieces of armor and and um, and uh, weapons that I have to go through to get to where I want to get to uh, or get whatever I want to get on. Um, and I don't have anywhere to put it, but I also don't want to destroy or sell anything because I'm like, well, what if I need this one? What if I go in a poison area? This one's high poison resistant, whereas this one is, you know, my main and all the, and so-and-so. So in all these games, you get stuck with all these different type of equipment. Sometimes it's because you just need it for different areas, and sometimes it's just play style. Like, hey, how are you going to play the game? We're we're giving players choice, so you get all this loot, and they just have it randomly for whatever play style you are. So you end up collecting everybody's uh, style of loot that's not really for you. So you spend a lot of time managing it. I don't know if I made it clear, but what I'm saying is the game is forced. Whoever's making these games, they're forced to put all these different types of of loot and all this stuff in there because they're like, well, we want it. We're advertising freedom of choice. We can't just sit here and give you 
just limited amount of loot, limited amount of gear in one area. Like they have right. to open it up. So yeah, yeah, it would be sense. tricky to try to figure out how you limit, how you fix it. And I'm not saying they would have to cut off the amount of loot, but I will say just a little bit of I played the Kingdom of Amalur. They overdo it. It's almost like Neo. Neo overdo does like they, everybody you kill drops something, which is cool because it's realistic. I even talked in forgot what game I was playing that I was annoyed that I'm sitting here killing all these people and they never drop anything and it's not realistic because I'm like I you just had a weapon. <laughs> I can literally see said, them covered in armor holding a cool weapon. Like why yeah, can I not? And pick I up? just killed you and now I can't pick anything up. Or you, you know I think anything. one of the things that they'll have to do and I think some games do elements of this is when you loot something. The game can automatically recognize that it is, you know, low quality, or give you an instant option to disassemble or sell it right there on the spot, um, without making you go back to town. And I know that's a little video gamey, you know, it takes away some of the realism. But come on, um, so I feel like something like that where you don't have to wait because that's one of my big hangups is I don't want to lose out on the opportunity to get some money, you know, from selling this stuff. I think so, it would be cool to have like a junk inbox, but it not count against your um inventory so like for instance in kingdom of amalar you can and most rpgs have this you have like a kind of like a junk folder like oh i don't i don't really care about this low level armor but i'm not where i can sell it right now i like that let let me just move it into my junk item area and once you do that you can't get it back like that's a decision you're making but yeah. at least at least it doesn't take up your inventory space that's a good yes one. Like and that. that's the problem is these games don't do that they're like oh it's in your junk but it's still part of your weight yeah, you can like in the is it borderlands you can mark it as junk is that the one that you can mark as yeah junk? Uh, and then sell it all in one big fell swoop yeah but um yeah i'd like that too all right well listen we are going to head into some headline talk and we'll also hopefully be able to talk talk a little bit about what dan is playing but first going to take a little break. All right. Well, we are back. Sorry for the pause there. I actually was struggling big time. We're recording the next night here. Struggling big time with my voice. I'm a little better now. Still pretty congested, but fighting off this cold. And Dan completely lost his internet connection, so was not able to join us. But we're back now to talk about stuff Dan is playing. And then we're going to jump into the many, many headlines from this week. So, Dan, glad you could join us. Tell us about some stuff you're playing this week. Well, first, I just want to give a big shout out, a big F you to Comcast. Just throw that out there. Because mm-hmm, <laughs> Comcast is a multi-billion dollar company, so you can go to hell. Uh, I hope they're listening. They've had a whole bunch of random outages. I think during the weekend, it's like annoying, but people can survive. I had it during the weekday, and it's like, dude, everyone's working from home right now. You can't right. just be having outages. It's not yeah. cool. Unacceptable. Unless some unless some clowns plowing into some like pole that takes things down, but then the power is going to go out too, so it can't be that, right? Right. Like it's obviously right. got to be something else going on that you know. Yep. Whatever. Anyways, like I was just saying a moment ago, I'm going to talk about this game that I brought up last time that Derek was very excited about. He he loves mm-hmm. indies, just a big mm-hmm. fan. So I I want to discuss it with him again. Since my wife and I have progressed a bit further in the game, uh, that Jenny LeClue game, the one that I told you is, uh, it's plays like a side scroller, but it's kind of like a point of click adventure game, like of, you know, yesteryear, all those old PC games. Um, so, I mean, it started off as a pretty simple detective story. Um, and you meet the main characters of the game and how they're connected to the plot. Um, understanding the clue, uh, clue searching and interrogation mechanics. Um, they're not very complex or particularly fun, um, but they're not a burden 
on the overall experience. It's just kind of get you from point A to point B. It, really, the story is actually pretty intriguing and pretty fun. Um, but it does take a dark turn, Tim, uh, and it turns into a murder mystery. So Ooh, that's a murder. There, there's been a murder. There's been a murder in Savannah. <laughs> in Savannah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I'd say the story is actually pretty intriguing. The only thing is the game, I think I had said last time, is closer to like nine and a half hours, it seems, the average. And I think that's definitely a bit too long. It, sh- it should be closer to probably about five. And that would have been a more comfortable spot for the game lengthwise. Um, gotcha. So if like you're not into this genre at all, um, unlike Derek, who obviously very much is, uh, you know. I mean, what would you describe this genre as? It's basically an adventure game, right? Yeah, it's not. It's not really a puzzle game so much as like environmental well, adventure discovery. Well, stuff. there is some puzzly stuff. Like I, I was actually doing one earlier where where I was in um, a graveyard, and we were, I was trying to find the uh, secret entrance to this underground area, and there was this sort of um, this. Uh, tomb door that was locked and i had to like move all these little um these little sort of stones around to try to move these little circular patterns into the spots that they were supposed to be so i was kind of moving it around on this track so you had Mm -hmm. to move the pegs like out of the way to move the the ones that had the little designs to where they needed to go so there there are like some puzzle elements but like the actual detective stuff is just kind of more like you meet a person and it'll be like interrogation of such such and such and uh, <coughs> click on like little parts of their body that like obviously there's something there like if there's something poking out of their pocket it's like oh well what's the deal with that so you click on that um and jenny kind of like questions them so yeah she gets uh, to ask a dirty question like is that a candy bar in your pocket yes a chunky just, right yeah <laughs> one of isn't those that, isn't that what michael scott <laughs> chunky um <laughs> when he's hugging pam yeah, yeah. He's like, I'm really proud of you. And she hugs him and she's like, Is there something in your pocket? And he's like, Chunky. Chunky. <laughs> she's like, What? <laughs> like, oh, the candy. Okay. Um, yeah, no, it's again, if you're not into slow games or games of this style at all, then obviously you don't care. But if if you like those kind of older games, there's there's a bit more interaction here. Um, and the story is intriguing, I think. So it's just not super fun to play. Um, but it's not like it's not a pain in the butt. So yeah. Yeah, I yeah. got you. Yeah, nice. so I like it. And she seems to be liking it too. She likes the story, so she likes kind See, of... See, I was going to say, the fact that you're playing it with family, your wife, or yes. you know, for those who play these games with their kids, whatever it is, that to me, at least for me, and probably for you as well, you let a lot more slide that you would normally maybe criticize or be like, ugh, I don't want to play this. Yeah. But you're playing it with someone who is enjoying it too. That always helps if it's yeah, a game I- that you normally wouldn't solo. Like I liked the art style when I was scrolling through the store and I was like, oh, let, and then it had the trailer. So I played the trailer and she was watching it with me and she's like, oh, that seems pretty fun. Because in the trailer, they kind of give a, a bit away. Uh, I'm just trying to give less away for anyone who actually may be interested in whatever. Um, but yeah, and she's into like murdery stuff and she's a oh. weirdo. So. Yeah. yeah. Watch your back there, Dan. All right. Cool. Yeah. No, I, I have been. For uh, you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, well I think that. I think that does it for stuff we're playing. I mean, there's other games here and there that I'm sure we've all um, ducked in and out of, but for the I most mean, part, Avengers still. That, so. Yeah, on and off. Yep. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of headlines to get to, so let's jump right in to yep. the headlines. We'll start with some general stuff, and I don't know if you guys saw this one or not. Of all the news, this one kind of got swept under the rug a little bit. Uh, the Ninja Gaiden trilogy was uh, spotted as a listing at the Game Source Entertainment website. Was it which is a pretty pretty big retailer or distributor 
in Hong Kong. And so apparently it's got a reputation for if you see a listing there, it's real. Um, so everyone is assuming the Ninja Gaiden trilogy is a real thing. And it looks like it's going to be a PS4 and Switch game coming in March of 2021. Hmm. It's going to include Ninja Gaiden Sigma, Sigma 2, and then Ninja Gaiden 3, Razor's Edge. That just, so. That's interesting because then the first uh, Ninja Gaiden's, like when they were first releasing, they'd always release on Xbox. Yep. At first, it was an Xbox exclusive, I think. Yeah. Uh, I thought first so. couple of them were. Yeah. So that's interesting. Yeah, I don't know if this is going to be true or not. Maybe it's just a really, really good fake, but um, seems to be, it seems to have some meat to this one. This rumor does. So um, I don't know if either of you played those games. I remember trying them out on Xbox and then I tried them out later. There was some kind of collection later on. I forget what system. And I remember liking them. I remember th- thinking that, th- I think maybe I played it on 360. Does that sound right? Um, yeah. And I remember thinking these are really tough games though. Like, yeah, yeah. Fun, but really tough. They're pretty unforgiving. Yeah, that's always been the thing with those particular ones. Yeah, and not really like boss fight difficult, like a Dark Souls or something like Derek talked about earlier, yeah. but but you can get easily overwhelmed by even your regular enemies are pretty strong and you have to you pretty much have to just dodge nonstop and use all you your You got to be a ninja. You got to be a ninja. So All right, and then there was a uh, what I thought was a relatively surprising Ubisoft forward event. So this is their second one that I'm aware of. They did one earlier this summer <clears throat> where they announced a few games and gave some release dates of some things. Um, but yeah, Ubisoft is staying right in the forefront of people's minds and their, their IPs, I think are just as popular as ever in more so ways they, than one, Tim. <laughs> well, that <laughs> is true. Inappropriate stuff. <laughs> that is true. You know, it is interesting that they did finally release a statement talking, like actually acknowledging some really bad stuff happened. We're not okay with it. And Hey, listen, you can make an argument that it was insincere and too little, too late, whatever. Everyone's got a different take on this. But they did at least acknowledge it and said that they've got all these things they're putting in place for the future and yada, yada. Whether it was a real, sincere apology or an empty one, whatever, they did put out an official apology well, and statement. It's interesting because so it was Eves Gidemont, who is the, yeah. uh, the I don't know what his title is. Is it CEO? President, President CEO, something like yeah. that. Yeah, like his, the actual family, the Gidemont family actually owns stock because there was like this whole like thing happening I think last year where like some company was trying to actually take over and buy out a lot of the stock, but then they like negotiated with them or something and bought enough stock where it it is just their company now. Um, But like, and this is all like, you know, you scroll through Twitter and you're always like, Oh, let's see what kind of dumb stuff everyone wants to say about this situation. And it it seems like maybe perhaps uh, Eves was a, a bit more aware of those things going on potentially. I don't know if that's valid or not, but yeah, it's possible. People are kind of like, well, this seems a little late. And also it's, you're saying it and you're not acknowledging it. Like I knew these things were happening and I'm sorry that I didn't do it. You know, kind of like that sort of response. So, well, I think that kind of response would have been an automatic, I have to resign. So if he, if he did know about him and admitted it, I think he'd also have to step down. Well, that's a tricky thing. thing. There's, there's no, there's no, um, and maybe for good reason, there's no patience or grace for that kind of thing these days. If you knew about something and you don't do anything about it, you're out. In a lot of cases, your career is done in any, in any place. But yeah, so I can see the trepidation of admitting that if you did know something, who knows? Um, but it does sound like they cleaned house for the most part of folks who are actually guilty of the actions. And uh, and so hopefully that doesn't happen there anymore. You know, it's it's interesting to see the way that all these major companies have these things coming and going, you know? Yeah. Um, 
So hopefully it's popping that's... up quite a lot the past few months. So. It is. It is. Hopefully that's the end of it for Ubisoft. Um, yeah. Selfishly, I also just want just to hear about their games. I don't want them to have a toxic yeah. work environment and but, abuse each other. I don't yeah. want that to happen. Please take care of your employees so they can be happy and make good games. And make good games. So that, that's yeah. my selfish motivation behind it. But I mean, I, not I, specifically level... just for that. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> that made it yeah. sound like just like treat them nice so they make it. That's not what well, I meant. I just That's yeah. kind of what I think sometimes. But yeah, yeah no, at, at a human level, of course, you want people treated well. But Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so they did have that statement before the forward event. And I think that was smarter than to do that. Um, just to kind of get an acknowledgement out there. So then you wouldn't have the outrage. There's still outrage, of course. People aren't going to be happy with whatever you say, but you wouldn't have as much outrage that, why aren't you addressing this? You know. Yeah. So they did get it out of the way, and then they went ahead and had their forward event, which included a bunch of pre-show stuff, which was mostly just updates on existing games, your, your Crew 2 and um, Rainbow Six Siege and... Um, uh, Ghost Recon Breakpoint, Roller Champions, For Honor, Division 2. Uh, I guess Hyperscape is now officially released as a free-to-play. It's no longer in beta. Oh, um, okay. That was quick. Oh, there will be a free game mode on the 22nd for Division 2, and I don't know exactly what that will entail, but you'll be able to start you know, playing for free at least parts of that game on September 22nd. So a bunch of updates for existing games, a bunch of other games of service, really. They have a lot of those now. Um, and this is what I want to get your thoughts on, you guys. I don't know if Derek fell asleep or not, but both Dan and Derek, I want to find out what you guys thought about the update to the Gods and Monsters game that was revealed. Mm-hmm. I want to say it was a year and a half ago, maybe. And uh, it was called Gods and Monsters, no longer called that. It is now called Immortals Phoenix Rising, which I don't love the title. Um, right. But it is a really interesting looking game. It's fully built out, open world action RPG. It's essentially, you know, mythological Greece. And it's set in the time of, you know, gods and titans and monsters, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea is that you customize your version of the hero named Phoenix, whether you want a male or female, and make them look however you want. And then you start upgrading and exploring and taking on uh, titans, gods, and monsters across the whole land there. So they, they showed quite a bit of gameplay as well as a trailer, an updated trailer. And honestly, other than what I thought was a really dumb song choice for the trailer, oh, I thought gosh. it was really... I thought it was really annoying. If you guys watched that trailer, yeah, what it was, was a really the other game that I was like, please. Oh, it was uh, it was Godfall. Godfall um, had a dumb song choice yeah. too. And yep. again, it's like I don't want to be like that person who's like, oh, hip hop. I hate it. Like I, I don't like hip hop, but that's fine. It just it didn't just, fit, fit the game, right? And yeah. so this didn't fit at all. This was like a very fun, poppy kind of throwback song, um, and I just didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. Um, anyway, yeah. uh, the game does look pretty cool. It has some possibility of being excellent or at least you know kind of epic in scale and in scope things like that but um the big question mark i have for you guys is basically are you interested in this do you find it derivative because of all the games that kind of are going for that breath of the wild wild look and feel what derek thought because this is usually not his art style so yeah what do you mean it's not my art style (laughs) you like uh not like kind of cartoony looking games uh, I don't know. I like generally. I, I thought I'm Breath of the Wild is amazing yeah. looking, and I like Borderlands and stuff like that. I had never, I hadn't really followed this game. I knew what Gods and Monsters was as far as like I'd heard it was coming, but I never actually watched anything or saw anything on it. Which, by the way, I'm the opposite of you guys. I thought the name Gods and Monsters was really generic. 
Um, I'm not saying Immortals Phoenix Rising is better, but it's a little bit more, I would say, intimate to what the game is rather rather than gods and monsters. You know, call me picky, but I feel like if they had just named it Immortals, I would be totally on board. It's something about Phoenix Rising that makes it feel really cheesy and and stupid but is it whatever. The, what's his face from uh, gears of war maybe is that what this is is that the tie-in? yeah it's marcus phoenix yeah <laughs> tie-in yeah i like the name phoenix um yeah. i agree like you could have just called it immortals and then your character could have been phoenix um but anyways uh i actually i didn't sit there and watch the whole thing i just watched a little bit of it just to see what it was and i was kind of blown away i was like oh wait this could be like breath of the wild but I hate to say it, but like good. And as somebody who's praised Breath of the Wild, I still think it was a flawed game as far as allowing you just to jump in and and play a fun game like combat-wise. I thought the combat was smart, but we've already gone over that. But I wouldn't say it was a fun game. This looks like this could be like a fun game. Like it's just your typical type open-world uh I'm guessing upgrading game, like where you go and loot and upgrade. Yeah, they did but, show some spots where you level up and, and learn new skills and abilities. Yeah, but but as far as art style, I thought I was kind of blown away by how good it looked. Yeah, yeah. I think it looks good. I think it looks good. Yeah, Derek, it's... if you go with a certain console or platform for this one, is this like I want it to be on PC or is this more like I'm okay with getting this on something like the Switch so I can play it handheld? Where are you with a game like this? Oh, it'll be the PC. I mean, if I buy something on the Switch, it's because I want to be able to take it somewhere else. Um, but I won't like, I won't just buy something on the Switch when I if I know I'm predominantly going to play something at home. So for me, I'm always going to default to PC if I I have it, especially if I'm able to upgrade my card. If I can't upgrade my card, then we could be talking about me just buying stuff on next gen consoles because. Yeah. I have a feeling my next-gen consoles are going to be more powerful than my desktop, t- uh, desktop TV, desktop mm. uh, PC. So um, it really just depends on graphics card. But, yeah, if I am able to upgrade, then, yeah, everything's going to be PC if I have the, the ability to do it. Freitas, what do you think about this thing based on what you saw? I don't know if you watched the gameplay post-show yeah. stuff. Uh, um, what do you think? So, I, I well, I watched the uh, actual presentation live and then um... – when I was listening to, cause I'd like to hear what the easy allies have to say when they watch these, just to see, uh-huh. you know, kind of get a feel of how they feel about it. Um, and they were watching some of the post show that was showing a bit more detail. I visually like the look of it. Um, I don't mind it at all. I like more kind of stylized, like Pixar, a little bit cartoony. Um, I think it looks gorgeous. It has, yeah, it still has good detail. You know, it's not, it's not mm-hmm. like bland looking and, right. and looks cartoony. Like it does have detail. Um, it's from, the, it's from the Origins team, right? Assassin's Creed Origin. Is yeah, that I believe so. I believe so, so. And I mean, they did an excellent job with that. So, I mean, you know, I trust them with making another good game, and it's a new original game. Um, yeah, I like the mechan- I like um, the uh, customizing of the character. I think there's there's a lot of uh, they showed like real quick, like the kind of different options. I think the armor options. They showed like some armor that you can get in the game. I thought that looked good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it looks fun. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm looking forward to playing this for sure. I just, the only thing in, in the trailer, unless there is a voice, um, there is voice acting for your main character, but they didn't show it in the trailer. I, I don't like when they do that. <laughs> we're in 2020. Make your character on, talk. People. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Unless they have some reason that Phoenix can't speak, then I'm with you. Um, 
so yeah, I thought it looked really neat. They they specified how there's going to be some specific areas. It's going to be very open. You know, approach it at your own pace and whatever order you want to. It sounds like yeah. So very Breath of the Wild in that approach. There's also the uh, the wings. I think it's the Daedalus wings that you get to you unlock and that allow you to glide around. So that's pretty cool. You get up to some kind of mountain peak somewhere and then hop off and then float. You know, pretty much wherever you want, which is always fun. You know, uh, you've got it's what? a mixture of Breath of the Wild and God of War. With a little Assassin's Creed. So you even have a bird yeah. friend who can help you scout ahead and, and uh, mark enemies and things like that. Yeah. So I don't think there's anything, or at least not much, in terms of stealth. It looks very focused in on combat. Yeah. There's some really cool attacks. The one they highlighted like three or four different times was some kind of giant uppercut where spears come up from the ground with you and yeah. you know you take all your enemies out around you. So, But it looks like there's some really neat animations and attacks and lots of cool monsters to fight. And specifically, there's one Titan you're trying to drive out of the land. That seems to be the main uh, story there. So well, yeah, I, I'm very much looking forward to this. Yeah. yeah. And what's surprising to me when they revealed all this and they gave gameplay, I was like, oh, boy, they finally it looks like they kind of rebuilt what they showed initially. This is probably another 2021 game. And they said it's coming out December 3rd, 2020 yeah. on all platforms. change, but as of right now. <laughs> It definitely could change. That seemed yeah. pretty definitive, though, right? Um, I mean, it seemed like. I mean, they show they showed gameplay. They showed gameplay after the show, like yeah. So it, I mean, yeah, it's one of those ones where, outside of some, you know, devastating, unexpected thing, I, I feel like this is going to hit right in time for Christmas. So it's very cool. It's nice to have a a, yeah. a new IP, a new, a cool new game to look forward to. And uh, I think I'm going to wait to see reviews to figure out what platform to get it on. I think I'm, it's pretty much an automatic buy. It's just a matter of which platform, like if it performs well on switch, this feels like a good game for me to sit and play uh, on the switch while other screens are occupied, but we'll see. We will see what happens. Um, All right. Speaking of Ubisoft games, uh, this is not a new, excuse me, not a new IP. It is the Prince of Persia Sands of Time remake, which was leaked. So not yeah. a big shocker. Everyone knew it was coming. Um, it's coming to PS4, Xbox One, and PC on January 21st uh, of this coming year. And so here's my take on this. I love this game. I really loved the reboot, and I really loved all three of the main entries before they rebooted it again to that kind of more stylized Prince of Persia before Assassin's Creed stuff took off. Um but when I was watching the trailer and they kept showing like old version, new version, I couldn't help but think it doesn't look better than this. Like, I don't know. I, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> again, Derek was right. OK, some snobby Tim is starting to come out with some of these presentations. OK, um, but as I'm looking at it, I'm going, this doesn't look that amazing. Can no. I throw something out there, though? Yeah, please. And I could be wrong. Because, I mean, I, I don't know, but I think maybe the footage they used was um was older. Because in the corner at one point, I swear it said like alpha footage or beta footage or something. I don't yeah, know why it, they would use that be. old of, you know, if, however far back um in, in the production. Yeah. You know, that footage was just newer. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong. It looks better. And they, you know, recapped, they actually motion capt- captioned the, uh, or captured the performances from the actors. They got the original prince actor to come back which is cool mm-hmm. and so uh, they showed some behind the scenes stuff with that which was very neat so it, it is definitely an upgrade if you show them side by side no doubt about it it just yeah. still looks like a yeah uh, it, it honestly like, kind of reminds me of uncharted two or three like it, it looks it and I, I don't mean that as an insult it's more like it looks like a really good last gen game that's it looks like a late like the last year of the last generation of consoles that's like, what it looks like yep now early this year 
or if, early if this, year, I mean, <laughs> if this game drops at like 30 bucks, it's a no brainer. I'll buy it. Cause I love these games and I'll replay it. If it's 40 or more, I'm going to be like, maybe on a sale, you know? Yeah. Um, it just didn't look like enough of an upgrade for me. So I'm, I'm wondering too, um, if this is to test the waters, cause that's what a lot of the remakes are to see if maybe, you know, if it sells well, they'll remake the other ones or kind of restart yeah. the series. Um, yeah, I was kind of hoping they would say, we've actually, you know, we're remaking all three and they're coming in this trilogy remake bundle. And I'm like, okay, now I'm on board. You got two thrones and a warrior within and this one all together, but nope, that's not what they're doing. So, um, but that's coming out in January 21st. They also announced this holiday. They're going to re-release Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Yeah. The game. But this will be the complete edition, so it'll have all the different bells and whistles, and it looks like a few additional pieces. Really fun throwback brawler if you never played it. I, I like that game a lot. Tim, I I'm so excited. Yeah, this is a good one. This is a really yeah. good one. So this, this is, this is like, good news. This was the feel good. This was like the ultimate feel good. Like, like, hey, this is happening. Yeah, yeah. Well, there was a lot of people upset when this came out of the store. Right, this disappeared from. Yeah, Digital they, um, what was it, unlisted it or whatever the mm-hmm. word is. Um, yep. I, I guess there was some legal mumbo jumbo tied up with, I think Universal had the rights to it. That's not um, right. So for a while, everyone just thought, oh, well, it's just not going to happen. But right. here it is. Yep, yep. So that's happening. And then Watchdog Legion, they sh- uh, Watchdog Legion, they showed a bunch more behind the scenes footage. I got to be honest, I kind of tuned out during some of this. Um <laughs> But I know they were showing a bunch of stuff. They did something with how they motion captioned uh, a rapper who does some long performance in the game and and how different people have their own storylines. And they, they showed some interesting things from Watch Dogs. I just didn't pay a lot of attention to it. Yeah. I'm still um, not sure how I feel about this. I don't know about you guys. I've just, like, I, I started Watch Dogs 2 and I literally played like a couple hours and I was just like, I don't know if just that moment I wasn't feeling it, but I just, I wasn't, I was not feeling it. Um, and this one yeah. just doesn't have like a main protagonist. It's it's the dead sec people, and you're recruiting other characters. So it just doesn't feel like there's something kind of centralized to to root for, like right. an individual. Um, it looks yeah. That's where to- they're that's where they're struggling because I think even in this presentation they said this statement, but I agree with it. Is Ubisoft is known for telling good stories, yeah. and when they choose not to tell a good story in their game, they focus on other things. You know, games of service, for example, it's going to be hard to capture my attention unless the gameplay is something super unique and very arcadey perhaps. Yeah. But when you're playing something like Watch Dogs, when I assume it's going to be a lot about upgrading and leveling up and going through some kind of mission structure, oh, it's going to be a little tougher. It's going to be a little tougher. So I think it'll be it looks fun to play. Like it looks like it'll be fun to go and be really specific about who you want to recruit. Like yeah. you can have a whole team of like old ladies who are just hacking stuff. <laughs> And that's just absurd. Um, yeah. Or you can have like just a whole team of assassins, like, and that's pretty cool too. Like, right. I, I think I think it'll be fun to play. It's just I also for me story is important, and I'm just not. I don't know. I, it doesn't feel like I have anything to latch onto. So. Well, some people hated the protagonists of the last game so much. Maybe this is the better step forward. Uh, Derek, what's your hype level zero to ten on Watchdog Legion? Uh, two. Oof. Yeah. That's not great. Yeah, I don't. Give goes, see, he's using the lower scale, Tim. <laughs> he is using the lower half of the scale. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, if I can get it free with my PC, like or with my video card, then I'll probably get a little more excited. But from everything they've shown and me hating Watch Dogs too as much as I did, uh, there's no excitement. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, it did show what I thought looked like a, a shot of Aiden with a beard uh, there towards the end. 
of oh yeah stuff. they're um they're doing um it's gonna be part of the season pass apparently um so oh. he's gonna have his own little story extra story there attached to this game so yeah I liked Aiden. I don't know why people disliked him, but no, no, I did. I did too. I'm interested to see where they take his story. If you know, yeah. assuming they actually have a complete story there, or if it's just a couple of missions that include him, I, I don't know. Right. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, the jury is definitely out on that one, as far as I'm concerned. And then they revealed a, a new IP at the end. At first, I thought this was going to be a brand new take on Trials, a series that I really like. But then I remembered that, you know, the last Trials game is still being actively supported. It just came out about a year and a half ago. Seems a little early. They, they have a lot more time between those games. Um, so turns out it's a brand new IP called Riders Republic. And it was described as a massively multiplayer online game where you're sharing an extreme sports with your friends. Extreme. Competing with them, competing against them. Um, and it, the trailer looks like it has a lot of personality, lots of like, um, you know, the color clouds and spray paint and all that stuff and snowboarders and bike riders and people wearing mascot. Yeah. Personality. But it seemed forced. Like by the time it was on, I was like, yeah, that feels, that feels like it's really forced. So I wasn't really digging it. Um, but some folks will like it and it does come out in February. So it's not that far away. February 25th. I think you're just not gnarly enough to understand Tim. Well, that's true. Yeah, that is definitely true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if it's, if it's like hyperscape and they offer some kind of free to play option where you can explore it a little bit and try out some of the different, um, sports, that's cool. I would try bike riding and snowboarding and all that skateboarding, but, um, that downhill, um, what was it the, the dude on the actual bicycle, like doing uh-huh. the downhill thing where that, that actually looked really cool. It did. Uh, if, it, if they had like a lot of that, where it's like the camera's kind of close behind you and you actually really feel like you're in the moment, I think there's potential for that to be really fun. Um, especially with it seeming like it has a lot of variety, like the different right. types of, you know, sports that you can do. Um, but then like you get the multiplayer thing involved and that can be tricky. Cause I mean, like with Avengers right now, it's like, there's a lot of, you know, multiplayer issues going on. So these games never out the gate really seem to work really well. And if people are super excited about this and it ha- it's having issues where you're trying to connect with people and every- I don't know. So, yep. I agree. I agree. Um, a game like this, it makes sense that it's mostly multiplayer. That's totally fine. Um, I get it. But to circle back real quick to Avengers, the reason I'm not playing it at the moment, I'm also distracted by other games, but um, I really wish there were just an option to be like, hey, all I care about is the main missions, so take me through the main missions. Because um, the, the side missions I find to be uninteresting and not very fun. And I hate the mission structure. It's so annoying. You go back to the war table, back to the Quinjet, load back in, pick your companion. No, I don't want to go play online. Like, I find it to be very annoying. Like, I want to be able to just play through this game without flying back and forth with the Quinjet. I just well, find it to be super frustrating. But when you finish a mission, you go back onto the Quinjet, and the right option is a continue main story. Correct. Yeah. And that oftentimes works, but it oftentimes takes you back to the to your home base. You wander uh, around, do a couple things, and you go back to the war table, pick your mission again. So you're meaning like, it, okay, it goes to the, like sort of the next story moment, which happens to be, yeah. okay, gotcha, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's usually been my experience. And so not loving the structure they chose for it, it's not bad for everybody. Some people will love that or they're okay with it. I find it to be annoying, but yeah. whatevs. Uh, all right, let's talk about the real news this week. Let's let our Microsoft Xbox guy, who I'm sorry I keep putting you to sleep, man. Let's wake him up. Yeah. And let's have our Xbox guy tell us all about the new systems coming out this holiday. 
Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, time. so we finally got some official news, which is good. Most of our listeners probably know this. If you don't, uh, we got Xbox Series S and X releasing on November 10th. The S series will be $299, while the X will be $499. So I'm actually kind of surprised by that price. I know $500 is pretty much the max for um, for consoles. And even, I think, the one that was, I won't say semi-successful, it was successful at $500 was the Xbox One. But it wasn't successful compared to the PlayStation 4. Correct. But even though 500 is pretty much like the peak, I still thought with all the power and everything that they were promoting, I thought they might try to maybe push it to 550, 600 bucks. But this is Microsoft. I think that's probably why they focus so much on advertising the power of the machine is they wanted you to get so hyped for how powerful it is that you kind of knew you're going to have to pay a pretty penny and then come out and give I what I would say a decent price. Yeah. Even though, again, it's literally the same price as the Xbox One. You have to remember the Xbox One, one of the biggest reasons it failed was it was underpowered. And the reason they are charging 500 is they were trying to force connect on you, yeah. um, which did cost them. I think they figured it out to be like a hundred dollars extra per console. So they could have really been, 400 at launch if they weren't full on with with trying to force players in to connect. Yep. Uh, but anyways, that's a different issue. It's still nice to see that we have the prices. It's Everything's official. Also, you can start pre-ordering, I believe, September 22nd. So we're yep. recording on 9-13. So in about nine days or less than that, eight days, you should be able to pre-order that. I don't think we're going to have a problem pre-ordering that i'm more nervous and i've said this before about the playstation 5's availability Mm -hmm. and even the rtx 3080 coming out in four days and there are no pre-orders um but yeah i think this will be a little bit a little bit easier to get your hands on but there's also something cool about this that they're doing that i actually talked about at last gen that i felt like consoles should do as well and that's get into the kind of the phone market uh, strategy with how to get more and more systems in people's houses quicker. Overall, systems sell good in their lifespan. You know, for instance, this generation was seven years long and it sold, both consoles sold decent up front, but they obviously sell more as the console cycle goes on because A, you get more games, but B, probably the most important one, it probably should be A, the price drops. Yep. And and more and more kids start pushing their parents like, hey, my friend has this game and I want to play it. So here's why this is important. Right now, Microsoft, I don't know if PlayStation will eventually do this as well, is offering a all-access subscription service. So this is a really unique strategy because basically for I'm gonna I'm gonna just do Series X right now and then I'll I'll explain Series S. But for the Series X, it's $35 a month for two years, and you get the Xbox Series X, so you'll own it if you pay pay it off, obviously. But you get it right away. That's an important piece. Yeah, you get it right away, and then you pay uh, $35 to have access to the Series X, 
and to have their monthly Game Pass Ultimate service. Yep. Which gives you access to over 100 games. All Xbox uh, first-party games that launch will be um, available to you day one. And then they added EA Play, which is a pretty cool service. It's not amazing, but it is pretty cool because you get to play all EA games before they even release. So if a game's coming out, for instance, September 13th, you would have had access to it, I believe, on September 6th or maybe the 8th or something like that. But anyways, four or five five days to seven days early, you get access for 10 hours of that game just to kind of test it out, see if you like it. And if you want it, you can buy it. If you don't, you just let the the time run out. Um, But anyways, that's $35 a month. Now I'm going to talk about the Xbox S real quick, and then I'll get you guys' thoughts on, well, all of it, pricing and the subscription. The Xbox X S, not X, is $299. Now, this console is actually pretty cool because it's as far as power goes, it's pretty in line with the X in every area except the graphics card. So that means that it's gonna have or it should have the ability to do ray tracing. It should it has an SSD um, or the same SSD, which is apparently faster. All, or the CPU and the SSD. Um, or I should say, I'm sorry. The CPU is faster than the PS5. The SSD is just the same as the X, which we don't really, I don't think we know the full specs on how that all works. Um, but this box basically runs games at 1440p. So, and it can get up to 120 frames per second. But there's there's a little bit of confusion on this. I've seen it in a lot of the groups. Um, some people love it. I, I actually, I'll say this. I would say more people love it. Like I, even in Beyond, which is a primary PlayStation uh, group, like most of the people in there are diehard PlayStation fans. You don't really get many crossover. Um, I saw a lot of positive reactions to the S. Yeah. The X, I didn't see much. Like, oh, I need an X now. They were kind of like, ah, five hundred dollars, and Xbox has no games. Like they still say those dumb things, which are well dumb. But the S, they were like, hmm, $300 and I can get ray tracing and Game Pass Ultimate and 1440p that reses up to 4K or upscales of 4K. I might do that as like a second box. So that right there shows you how this strategy is extremely smart because diehard fans like me are going to buy the $500 X. Anybody who's kind of been, and there's a lot of them out there that's kind of been on the fence like, I kind of want an Xbox because there's this game or this game that I want, but there's not enough to justify it. Now there's to me enough to justify it. With and I think you're back, right. It's mainly the, the GPU, right? That caused the price drop. That's where they're spending the money difference, right? Microsoft. Yeah. yeah. And, and 1440p is going to be fine. It's like, going to look great. It's going to look basically like a lot it's of... It's going to look fine. Triple, He's like, it's, it'll be fine. <laughs> it'll be fine. And what I mean by that is like... It's going to, because there's people that are concerned about, well, it's not 4K. But here's the thing. A lot of the AAA experiences that are going to come out on next gen are going to be locked in at probably 30 frames per second. With it at 1440p, but having all this other power or same power as the X, 
they could potentially maybe run these games a little bit faster on some of the multiplayer games and things like that. But also, 1440p just in general looks fine. It's going to look like what you see a lot on the PS4 Pro, which I've, I've praised many of many of games on the PS4 Pro. I've never just looked at it and been like, this is trash. You know, we do need to realize, though, that the games that are, come out, that are coming out next gen are going to push hardware harder. So you're not going to get the exact same results. Like these games that are going to come out are going to uh, push PCs, push the Xbox One X, push the Xbox One S really hard that it's not going to look like previous gen. Same thing with, you know, 360 games. We thought they looked good. And then we moved to the next gen. We're like, huh? Those games are ugly. But but now we, we're going to get... Uh, Similar results with uh, with this current gen. Right. But overall, I think this is outstanding news. I still think, and I've said this from the very beginning, no matter what PlayStation 5 comes out at, and I do think it's going to come out at 500 for the disc version, and I don't think they're going to give as big of a cut as a lot of people say for the discless version. They're all like, it's going to be $100 less. I think it's just going to be $50 less. So okay, I, so let I, me I, ask you this then, now that you brought up the PS5. So... I see this 300 and 500 price as if I'm just a standard consumer, I have an idea of what video game systems are out there. I know my kid wants a new Xbox. So I go to the store or I go online and it looks like there's a $300 version that can play all the same games. It looks like it'll upscale to 4k. I don't know what that means, but my kid will be happy. And so cool. I'm going to get this or I could get the PS five and my two options are let's just pretend that the PS five also comes out at 500 and then the alt, let's see if they have a cheaper version. Oh, they do have a cheaper version. It's digital only. Oh, that's only 50 bucks less or only 100 bucks less. See, to me, I look at this and I see this huge customer-friendly move by Microsoft. And it's it's yet another very customer-friendly move where it's a $200 drop. That's what's crazy to me is it's a two. Yeah. I mean, it, it's almost like two different generations. And so if I'm just a pretty standard consumer trying to get my kid the next system, the Xbox Series S is looking incredibly attractive at this point compared to whatever PS, unless PS4 can somehow land their digital only version at, you know, 350, maybe 400. Like it's got to be close. Otherwise, it's going to be a pretty easy call for me at the cash register, unless I'm a diehard fan. Yeah. I mean, I will say this, and, and I think we, not us here, but I'm saying groups in general, I think they really. Are, they over-exaggerate like how stupid people are. And what I mean by that is, no, I don't think soccer moms are going to be able to tell the difference in uh, specs and all that. They are going to look at price. But here's the thing. They're not going and buying it for themselves. They're buying it for kids, teenagers, and so on. Those kids and teenagers aren't stupid. They know what an, a PlayStation 5 is. They know what an Xbox S is going to be, or Series S. They know what a Series X is going to be. They're going to tell my parents, like, if it's Christmas time, they're going to say, I want this console. In fact, when I was presenting it to my sons, I was like, listen, the plan is for me to trade in my PS4 Pro and Xbox One X. That I told them, I said, that means you guys are not going to have a console. So we need to start talking about options for maybe Christmas. Are you guys wanting to make the jump to next gen and play 
you know, your games on that or, you know, experience new games. Hopefully they'll mature and get out of just playing stupid Fortnite. And that's when I told them about the option of, hey, the Xbox Series S, here's what it does. It's only $300. That's realistic. And even I did this in front of my wife and she wasn't like, oh, no, we're not spending that. She was just like, oh, okay. Okay. Dude, that's what I'm that's what I'm saying. It's not a matter of being smart or dumb. I'm not saying the consumers are dumb. I'm saying they are gonna especially this year after the quarantine, yeah. people are gonna be more frugal than ever. And so even my son, because I was showing it to him as well, he's got an Xbox One S at the moment. And when he heard that the Series X is gonna be five hundred, he was like, Oh, I'll probably not be able to get that, huh? I was like, well, they're putting out another one that's a Series S, and it's like pretty much the same thing. It's just not going to be quite as good graphics, and there's no disk drive. And he was like, well, it's only 300 I could probably save up for that. Like, I'm telling you, it it brings in an element yeah. of, oh, this is realistic to buy. So it's not a matter of being stupid. I think it's a matter of knowing what's going on currently in the culture and capitalizing on that. That's why I think it's smart. I think it's really smart. Well, I was talking about like the groups where people are like, the parents are going to get confused and blah, blah, blah. No, they won't. No, they're going to buy for their kids. The right. kids are not confused. I mean, the kids game. are also in little negotiators, man. At least my kids are. They know like, okay, I want the new console. If I ask for the $500 one, it's an automatic no. But I wonder if I ask for the 300 like kids are negotiators and they'll see this. And I think there'll be a lot of kids who are okay with the graphics sacrifice in order to save 200 bucks there there is always going to be that parent though like you have the kid being like oh i want the five you know they're just like oh i want the xbox series x and and maybe they don't even mention the price or they do say the price and the the parents like really like series s yeah (laughs) but they're not feeling it but they're like all right i mean i guess i'll go to the store and grab that and then the associate mentions that and uh the other one and and they're like well how much is that one 300 oh well i'm grabbing that because well, I mean, are you sure it's the new one it's, it's yeah, yeah. I mean, a kid really wants the x well it'll play all the same games it's just it won't be quite as the graphics but, aren't quite as good but i remember when i worked at gamestop there definitely w- would be a, an occasional parent here and there that would that would try to be like well what's the cheaper uh, and it's right like, you know right it's like it's missing some stuff and they're like oh well we'll worry about that later it's like okay yeah you're gonna go home your kid's gonna be pissed and then you're gonna be all angry that your kid's pissed so <laughs> It's true. That is yeah. true. But yeah, I get what I think, Derek's saying. I agree because yeah. Sure. I think this is a really good move by Microsoft. I think it's great pricing. I'm surprised that it's as low as 300 that there's a next gen console dropping this fall that you can get for 300 bucks is amazing to me. And again, I, I get it. It's not as strong as the other option that's out there. Totally understand that. But it's still next gen. And it's, it's pretty amazing that that's going to be available to folks. In addition to what Derek was describing as kind of that phone device strategy, I love that yeah. strategy. You know, pay a certain amount a month. You essentially, because you have to get a credit check, it's basically just a loan you're taking out directly with Microsoft. So the 35 a month, so that's for the 500 Series X, yeah. correct? And otherwise, yeah. um, 25 a month. So is it like you pay it off eventually and that decreases because then you're paying for Game Pass Ultimate? Like, what is. So is they that? did the numbers and basically you actually come out. Again, this is, I'm talking full price for everything, like Game Pass Ultimate, full price yeah. for the console. You come out saving $20 um, doing this option. So they don't tack on like any interest or anything like that. They're not like, hey, sign up for this two years and then make your 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 $25 or $35 payment. And then it's going to actually take three years for you to pay it off but you're only doing it for two years. 
um, if you do minimum. So it's it's there's no interest as far as I know. I know GameStop's going to try to do their own thing. I'm sure they're going to be a little bit more shady. But if you go directly through like Microsoft or probably like an official retailer for Microsoft, you're just going to sign an agreement that I'm sure you have to get approved. It's going to be based off credit or something like that. Yep. But if you get approved, um, you just pay the minimum monthly and you actually pay $20 less than if you were to buy both those things. Excuse me separate at again i'm going to say full cost because we all know there are opportunities to get game pass ultimate on sale or you can sometimes just buy them off like cd keys or something like that for cheaper but at full price you actually come out 20 dollars cheaper i actually think that's amazing because i was thinking if they did something like this they would try to get you in the long run meaning like just pay $25 for three years and you'll own the console and you have Game Pass, Game Pass Ultimate the whole time. But it ends up being, you know, where you're overpaying by two or three hundred dollars. Well, that makes a couple, thing, couple things to keep in mind, though, is it is like a loan, not that you're paying interest, but that you can't cancel. So it's not a subscription service. Like you actually do owe them the full cost of the console. Yeah. It's all on the fine print. Well, so that's what I was trying to ask. Like, is, is yeah. it basically like you're paying towards the 500 yes. and eventually that dips down the, the monthly. Well, payment? if you continue with game pass, like I think you can, right. you can continue subscription after that if you want to. Right. Here's the thing. Okay. They're getting their full, they're getting their full amount for the console. They're just getting it over a longer period of time. Sure. Instead of up okay. front. They're also getting your subscription for a minimum of two years, which they probably or at least might not have gotten from everybody who gets the system, right? They might get it right. from some. So they're going to have a much higher rate of subscribers. And chances are pretty good that when you, by the time you're done, you become so reliant or accustomed to having it, you're going to keep it or you'll have forgotten about it. There's a whole bunch of reasons that this is going to help Microsoft. So yes, you're paying $20 less, but you are so much deeper into the Microsoft ecosystem than you might have been if you just bought the system straight up and tried a three-month thing of Game Pass maybe. But now you're a subscriber for two years. It's much, much different. So yes, you do have overall savings, but you're also committing to uh, to a long term with with Microsoft, which I don't is know why if they, I can, um, they like commit this. to a long term of being uh, deep inside that ecosystem. Tim, just, you can get you know, right up in that ecosystem. Yeah, yeah it's it. just you know it's just too much time to be deep inside. No. Um, so and, what I think is interesting about all of this is Microsoft is starting to add more and more options to the consumer, and I think that's what's really interesting about all this stuff. It's you could buy the full price game and just own it, no problem. Oh, you don't want to do that? You want to just subscribe to a service and have access for as long as you're a subscriber? Cool. You can do that too. Oh, you don't want to buy the system straight up. You want to pay for it, pay it off like a phone. That's that's fine. You can do that. Oh, you don't want the really expensive one? Well, here's a, a disk drive free kind of lesser powerful version for you as well. Like I feel like they're providing all these different options. And it's to me, it feels like Microsoft is thinking towards the future. It's not about winning right here, right now. It's about keeping their customers happy for the long term. And I just think it's all very, very smart. I'm not saying they're going to outsell PlayStation by any stretch, but I don't think it's about that for them. I think it's all about they want customers to get used to having them as a daily payment in in their budget. And they're just accustomed to it. Like Game Pass is just like Netflix for me. You know, that's what they want. And I think right now their strategy is quietly, I think, pretty brilliant. I think it's going yeah. great. And also, and Derek mentioned it too, it's, it's to get, the people like me um, who just haven't ever owned an Xbox. Cause I just honestly wasn't interested. I, I just always, there wasn't enough games like, Oh, I mean, gears, I would like to play gears, but it's like, I don't care about halo. I don't care about Forza. 
um fable seemed interesting but like there just wasn't enough where i was like i'm gonna go and spend you know x hundred amount of dollars to also have this system like there's plenty to play on playstation and nintendo so I'm you, know what's, you know what's crazy to me is that Xbox and Microsoft's been very upfront also saying that pretty much anything you own on your current systems, it'll carry over. All of it will. Yeah. Like there's not going to be any question marks of maybe it will. It depends on if it's the right game. It's all going to work on your new system. And you'll get all Microsoft first party stuff as long as you're a Game Pass subscriber. Yeah. So again, their weakness, of course, is in having strong first party console exclusives. We know that's their weakness. They've delivered on some, but not enough. Yeah, That's totally their weak, biggest weakness. But they are so customer friendly with all the services they're adding now. And I, we've talked about backwards compatibility, how yeah. it's not maybe as important as we thought. But there is something about, again, for the parent who's making the shopping decision, letting them know every game your kid already owns on Xbox will be on this new one as well. It's just an upgraded system. All those things... I think are huge wins uh, just in the, the minds of customers and someone like me, it's like, dude, this is pretty fantastic what they're doing. I mean, I might even down the line, maybe, you know, with a price drop, cause again, I'll still have so much to play. I might even consider getting the S to be honest, just yeah. have that and get game pass and be like, Oh, that random game that's only on here. Let me, yep. I can play that on there. Cause I'm paying for that service. Like dude, $300 for a, yeah, 300 bucks for a brand new console is a very appealing price point. I mean, that's yeah. why the Switch was, I think, so appealing to a lot of people. I think they can really, and I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying they'll win, but I think they could actually end up competing with PlayStation more this gen because of the um, strategy that they have in play with yeah. already having two consoles, which obviously I'm sure they're going to branch off or do something else as well, maybe mid mid console generation or two or three years in. But also I think a big part is they are at least um, addressing or at least showing that they're addressing the issue of a lack of diversity in first party or a lack of reason to say, Hey, this is exclusive to the Microsoft or Xbox brand. You need this. Um, Whether you play on PC or Xbox you need these games. And I think for a lot of console only gamers, which there's a ton of them out there, even though I think PC is getting bigger, console only is still to me more popular. Um, I think there's a lot of people that if they see a fable or a, a really fun looking Forza and then gears and halo, and then some new IPs that are interesting I think then to justify buying a Xbox becomes easier because you've already got the low price. Now they can justify it by saying, you know what? I was always, because they'll start saying that. They'll be like, I was always kind of interested in Fable or I was always kind of interested in Gears. Now's my opportunity to do this because now they're blowing up um, the price uh, for a, a console on day one. Plus, also, again, their goal, I'm not saying they're going to nail it, their goal is to add to the catalog of first-party games that they have. Um, And I think they're going to nail it. I think as we go deeper into this, the fact that they were able to get Obsidian, and I don't know the name of the company that uh, released Wasteland 3, but they're, they're going to start launching games only on Xbox, I believe. So you have all these... Uh, acquisitions that they've made that they they could definitely 
blow their portfolio up again not even to me close to playstations but getting closer but then add the cheaper console and then you can see a better competition right there and i think that's what people misunderstand when at least when i would say something like they just don't come close to sony with their exclusives i'm not suggesting they need to i think if they just get halfway where sony is if they put out half the number of strong exclusives that sony does now I think they've really pulled even because of all their awesome services and customer friendly stuff I mean, they have going on. Here's the thing, like just straight up, like flat out, like I'm envious of Game Pass. Like Yeah, you should be. <laughs> like it's crazy. I don't I don't have Xbox, I have PlayStation. PlayStation now is fine. Um, but Game Pass is obviously superior. Yeah, um, now now is. has gotten better, but it still yeah. is mostly about playing your older games. Stream it, those. You know? Even though so how like what is the actual like straight up regular price of game pass per month is uh, 15 20? it's 15 bucks okay. a month so 15 bucks a month i mean times you know 12 months what is that a uh, hundred and forty don't do math <laughs> more than a hundred dollars um yeah so it's, like, it's 180 bucks for a year so it adds up but yeah. the convenience uh, and you can download the games right they're all downloadable oh yeah yeah yeah, so you can de- which that's when they added that to PlayStation. I was like, thank God, because like the streaming is just not there yet. So, well, dude, don't forget. Just side note, sorry you're, to interrupt you, but you also no, get access if you get Ultimate. You yeah. have access to Xbox as well as PC only games that are on Game Pass that might well, not even go. be on the Xbox. So you get I mean, both. Th- that's ridiculous. Like, yeah, maybe like you when you add it up in the month, you're like, oh, that's a decent amount of money. But like, you can play the game, and you're like, I like this game. I will continue playing it, or you don't. So it's like right. you're basically rent. You can rent the games and try them out, and be like, oh, I'm I'm feeling this. Like, I'm liking it. I'm playing it, or whatever. And um, it's new games. That's one of the differentiators as yeah. well. Is that d- the release day and date of brand new first party yeah. games, and in some cases, third party games, they'll come out on the Game Pass right away. No purchase required. Just download it when it's available. And so yeah. it's it's very, very appealing. And so, yeah, if Xbox can do what Derek's describing, it's very exciting to think about, you know, some them delivering on some of these promises that all these acquisitions yeah. seem to hold for us. Like, all right, start pumping out those games. Like, I want 2021 to be the year where Xbox finally regains its footing in the exclusive world. We'll see if that happens, though. As the Sony correspondent on this show, I'm going to need them to uh, take it up a notch with their PlayStation now, please. All right. All right, fair, fair enough. Yeah, they look like clowns compared they, to Game Pass. They need to get in, get you know, get their heads in the game. So yeah, exactly. It was just funny because I, as a Nintendo guy, I look at Switch Online and I'm like, well, at least it's only twenty <laughs> bucks. For, at least it's only twenty bucks for a whole year. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, right, speaking of Nintendo, let's move on here. We'll wrap things up with these last two things. Um, Nintendo. Well, there's a couple of smaller announcements. Things like. Um, they've confirmed that Breath of the Wild 2 is still really in the mix of development. They're working really hard on it. It's like one of their top priorities, but they're not mm-hmm. ready to show anything yet. And No More Heroes 3 has been delayed to 2021. No specific wow, wow. Uh, window given for that one. Um, but with that announcement about Breath of the Wild 2 still being, in, you know, being hard, they're hard at work fixing that one up, hoping to bring it to us next year, whatever else, more, more details to come. Um, then they announced the newest uh, iteration of the Koei Tecmo take on Zelda, which is Hyrule Warriors. And this time it's the Age of Calamity. Yeah. And so it's a prequel to Breath of the Wild. It's basically telling the story of Link and Zelda and those four guardians in that big battle that led up to the events that uh, kicked off things for Breath of the Wild. So um, it looks 
like another Dynasty Warriors type game, Hyrule Warriors. And Derek tells me these are pretty fun games, this and Fire Emblem Warriors. Mm. Um, but what it, what this does is it gives Nintendo a new game to put on the shelf this holiday season that's got a familiar face on it. It says Zelda, although I don't think it's misleading. It says very big Hyrule Warriors. Right, right. <laughs> so I don't think it's misleading, but it does give folks the idea that, hey, there's a new Zelda coming for this holiday season. So it, it gives them a game to put on the shelves. Is this what all of us hardcore Nintendo fans wanted? No, we want a breath of the wild too, but does it help? I think it helps quite a bit to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, that was yeah. kind of the big thing because one of the main, um, not complaints, but like kind of like what reviewers discussed with breath of the wild was the story was not on par with previous Zelda games. Yeah, um, that was yeah, and their attempt to be so was. open, there was a lot of story gaps. Yeah, so it's cool that they're filling this in. It's just, I guess, kind of a bummer that it's within the Hyrule Warriors universe or whatever you want to call it. I mean, to I be almost... fair, I haven't played those games, and I really want to, so I need yeah. to. Um, they do look like fun, but they're also not Zelda games. So you're not exploring yeah. and upgrading the same way that you do with a Zelda yeah. game. You're exploring and mostly battling and upgrading the way you do with a dinosaur. Well, yeah, that's why I said a bummer because like I don't know yeah. for a hundred, I don't know a hundred percent for sure if there aren't towns that you go into and stuff like that. I'm gonna guess there isn't. So you're not going to be no, Derek. You've played Hyrule Warriors, right? Yeah, I mean a lot of it's set out in like the the battlefields and stuff like that, but you right. do go into castles and stuff like that. Yeah, but it's you not do open upgrades? like Breath of the Wild. Oh, it's not open. That? It's, it's no, not open it's, like Breath of the Wild. It's right? kind of yeah. like um, like little linear paths that end up in open areas. Yeah. So basically like your traditional Dynasty Warriors, because I played yeah, quite yeah. a few of those back on PS2 and stuff. So yeah. Yeah. It's basically yeah, I, exactly like that. Are there a good number of unlocks and, and uh, abilities to upgrade stuff? Uh, I didn't get that far in. I don't okay. know exactly because um, I'm trying to think. I, I know you unlock, like, new, I believe, weapons and stuff like that, but I don't think it's, like, an RPG system. Or I know you upgrade characters for sure. I, yeah. I would, I'm I going to go ahead and just go out on a limb and say you do probably upgrade, at least unlock certain skills and abilities, but maybe yeah. it's just not super in-depth. So Yeah, I'm, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to guess they probably try to mix, because, I mean, it seems like with this one especially, they're really, like, they said the Breath of the Wild team is very involved. Yeah. So I, I would the imagine more of it looks adding cool. more. Yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. That's that's why I almost kind of wish this was like a big bulky DLC for Breath of the Wild or something. Yep. But yeah, which was by the way, they did mention that they were talking about Breath of the Wild two, and the team had so many ideas, and they were pretty much throwing everything up on the board, and they pursued a few of them for those first two DLC uh, packs for Breath of the Wild, and yeah. they had a bunch of other ones they thought this could be DLC, and they ended up putting all of that into one big bucket for a sequel because there was just so much. Yeah. So that's exciting to hear how they described that. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. So I am very much, of course, looking forward to Breath of the Wild 2. But um, I think Nintendo has saved some face for this for this winter. You know, they're putting out some Mario stuff. They're putting out uh, and of course, they'll get Phoenix Rising, the Immortals game. They'll get that in December. They've got Pikmin 3 and they've got this uh, Hyrule Warriors game. So is it a strong holiday for them compared to recent years? No. But it's not an invisible one like it was starting to look like. Yeah. Um, so they'll, they'll have something. Right. Right. They have something. So um, so there's your Nintendo news. And the last bit here is from Sony. So, Dan, what's going on with Sony? Anything? No prices yet, right? 
Uh, well, you mentioned Minecraft here, which I wasn't aware of, but <laughs> yeah. Minecraft will get PSVR support later this month for free. Yeah, which is pretty cool. I'm, I'm definitely going to let my kids try that out because yeah. they they think VR is a fun kind of gimmicky, fun thing to do, which is great. Yeah. But they are also still very hooked on Minecraft, All like all of them. Even up to my 13-year-old, he'll take a break from – he loves Brawlhalla and he loves Fortnite, Fortnite. And he also loves Call of Duty Warzone. But mm. he'll take a break from those and just sit in Minecraft for as long as we'll let him. He he still loves Minecraft. Oh, so. These kids. These and kids. They're, they're Minecrafts. <laughs> um, I wonder how that will be if it's disorienting. Because, like, I mean, Minecraft is not a pretty game by any means. But that's, like, disorienting yeah. in VR. Cause it's yeah, I'm curious, too. Blocky and not nice looking. Yeah. We'll see. Well, speaking um, of VR, by the way, I forgot this. It just reminded me real quick. I forgot to mention this. There is a VR game that Ubisoft is making called uh, AGOS, which stands for yeah. A Game of Space, which sounds so stupid. If I sure. if we thought Immortals was a dumb name. Wow. <laughs> um, but it's a VR space simulation exploration game set uh, 30 plus years from now where you're the last human being to leave Earth, which is falling apart and dying. Mm. And your goal is to essentially explore and upgrade your craft and lead humanity to a new home, essentially. I think um, they have the year wrong, Tim. They're, it might be 2027 at this rate in real life. <laughs> it, might, it might be. It yeah. might be 2027. Yeah. Depends on who gets elected, am I right? Yeah. Um, anyway, so that's on October 28th. Uh, I, I forgot to mention that one. Um, for VR fans, that one looks interesting. It'll be coming out on Oculus, maybe PSVR down the road. But for now, it's going to be just on PC. So cool. I didn't even uh, see that one. Was that the pre-show? During that was during the pre-show yeah okay yeah i didn't yeah. i did not see that so sounds cool um but fingers crossed sony announces playstation 5 event for wednesday september 16th uh-oh so things are happening tim so uh, i read so the blog post on that and it doesn't sound like they want to talk about price and release date but do you think they will well so I um I had the the verge.com the article here. So Sony is holding a special uh PS5 event next week. The company will broadcast a 40-minute digital showcase on Wednesday um that will include updates from the first-party Sony game studios and third-party partners. Uh Sony is pitching the event as the one more look at some of the great games coming to PS5 at launch and beyond before the yeah. console launches. Yeah, if so they don't announce a price of this Tim. I'm burning everything down. <laughs> Okay, let me ask like, you guys this as we close out. Do you think Sony is now kind of forced? Because I think, Derek, you said that pre-orders for Xbox are on the 22nd, right? Correct. So, I mean, is Sony even able to wait until that date to announce the price? Well, I mean, that seems they, ridiculous. They said initially that they were going to give – they like they were like, don't worry, guys. Like, we're going to give you a window of, like, heads up, like, X amount of days until you can start pre- pre-ordering. So. Okay. It, it's going to have to be. Yeah, safe. but I think Tim's point is like, you don't want to give the competition right an a, a advantage by unlocking pre orders before you even announce how much yours yeah. is. Yeah, because if you're going to be a lot of people that are like, well, I'm just, oh, sorry. I'm just going to pre order <laughs> the Xbox because I want to make exactly. sure I at yeah. least get a console sure. in November. Yep. Well, so. I mean, it, it, the th- the thing is, it's all scrambling if the price that they had in their head is not matching with what Microsoft has. Like that's what I was going to ask you too. Like, what if they are thinking six hundred? Can well, Sony, if they were doing like six, win, 
yeah, if they were doing like 600, 500 or 600, 400, then that's not lining up with Xbox and that's a problem. So can Sony uh, win if they come in at 599? Can they win the console sales no, war? Because no, that's then it's going to be the Kaz Harai joke, off. right? I think they'll really, I think they could win at 600 if Microsoft was at 600. But the fact that they pulled the trigger and said, no, we're 500 and we're the more powerful console. Again, you can debate that with, you know, uh, with the SSD and all that helping out the PlayStation 5. But, um, but if they were to come at that price, uh, at the same price, they're going to win. I think down the road, Xbox has a chance with the strategy that we already talked about earlier. But up front, if they are the same as Microsoft, they are going to win up front. If they come out $100 more, no. No, I, I really think that's where you're going to get the backlash and, and the big groups that I was talking about, and you're going to get it across social media where people are going to be like, that's too much. I'd rather just buy an Xbox, and then I'll yeah. wait for a PlayStation. Because that's what happened to the PlayStation 3. The yeah. PlayStation 2 was very, very popular. The PlayStation 3 came out at, you know, I get $600 was way more back then than it is now. I mean, don't get me wrong, 600 is still a lot. But let's be real. We we all make more money now, and I'm talking even teenagers now than we did back then. So $600 is more feasible. But again, I think if you're $100 over Microsoft, you're uh, screwing yourself. I mean, the thing is, like, it's just going to be memes galore, right? Because like yeah. when PS3 was announced, you know, five ninety nine ninety nine, and Kaz Harai with a uh, Ridge Racer and giant enemy crabs and all that, not like that's just going to come back. So, <laughs> like, absolutely, I think yeah. if yeah. if Sony pulls out a six hundred dollar price point, we might be watching a changing of the guard in terms of who's winning console sales, at least initially. We know that Sony has a lot of staying power and incredible fan loyalty, so they could do a comeback tour like they did with the PS3. Even if they fall behind, they could always catch up. PS3 had a crazy comeback with the with the price drop and the release of the Slim. They just stormed back into, into first place. Yeah. That being said, if they come out at 500, I'm with you, Derek. I think it's interesting. Let's see how it unfolds, and I'm curious how the S will do for Microsoft. But I think Sony will continue to pull ahead comfortably in terms of console sales. If they can somehow do what they did with PS4 and drop this thing at 400, then I think it's another landslide for Sony. So we'll see what they do. I think Sony's been waiting to see if Microsoft was going to say 600 and then they would have gone with that. Cause maybe that's what they were more comfortable selling it for. But since Microsoft said 500, I feel like they're, they're right now kind of gathering everything. Oh, you think it's still team. flexible. Oh, okay. All right. It has to be. Cause yeah. like, They've been they've been super quiet about that. Like Microsoft has been like going further back, been more open uh, and upfront with the uh, with this next generation stuff, right? Like we found yeah. out about the Series X before Sony. Am I not mistaken? Like yeah, I'm pretty sure true. we found. So like they've just been more upfront, and 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 now we know the price before Sony's pricing. So I mean, Sony kind of has to be. Which I gotta say is kind of ballsy on Microsoft's part because again I know it was leaked but I don't trust all that shit. I really believe a lot of these companies do it on purpose and then they say oh it was leaked. But um, but I think <laughs> how they talk. But all the execs. Yeah, so like, that's so exact like so like celebrity talking. nudes that leak out from their phone. It's leaked, right? I got you. Yeah, I got hacked <laughs> by hack. You you posted on Instagram purposely. Okay. Um, but 
but what I was saying is I think it was kind of ballsy for Microsoft to do it because, again, they were successful. Let's not downplay that. They were very successful. But the reality is they were getting outsold basically two to one. And and we've talked about this before on the podcast or previous podcasts that we did. Um, I've I've been saying for a long time that Sony is the new Nintendo. PlayStation is the new Nintendo. They not only have loyal fans, but even the ignorant people that don't know anything about gaming know what a PlayStation is. So they have that name recognition and name power. But at at the same time, like Microsoft coming out and with the fact that they lost because they were too high and they were arrogant and stupid last gen to come out first and say, Hey, you know what? We're going to drop this price. And you have to have a lot of confidence in what you're selling at $500 to do that. Because that is a big reason why they lost is because they were too high last time and they were ridiculous on how they pushed it. This time they're coming out. They've been very good at of really stating this is the most powerful, here's why, blah, 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 $500. Yeah. So I think it puts a lot of pressure on PlayStation. But again, I want to give props to, to Xbox because that was that was difficult. I really do think they wanted to release the information after PlayStation. But PlayStation, let's be honest, they have the right to be this patient because they are ahead. They are winning and they have the most fans wanting information on them. Microsoft's not in that same seat. They did need to get this information out, and they did. It was it was a risk. It was yeah, and it's interesting to me with Sony because is it possible that Sony was truly planning on holding all these cards so close the whole time, or were they actually waiting to hear from Microsoft? I really think they were waiting for Microsoft. Yeah. yeah. Well, also if they were waiting. Um, there's there's two things. If they were waiting, it tells me that they actually are concerned with what's microsoft going to do next time like they actually do think of them as a legitimate you know a competition but if they don't which a lot of sony fans will try to convince you that sony doesn't care they're so far ahead they don't care about microsoft it's like okay um then why were they so influenced this announcement cycle by microsoft i really think xbox led the way with how and when things have been announced it's kind of weird it was also a mixture of uh, like be- exactly that, but also this pandemic definitely has thrown a wrench in things like that. They, they were having um, manufacturing issues. So um, I think that kind of definitely didn't help as well. I think maybe they were kind of like behind the scenes, like tugging on their collars. Like, Oh, I don't know guys. We, we might not have enough quantity wise to even give out what we, you know, initially were planning. Um, but then late in the game, they, they did announce that they were actually uh, ramping up the production because things were starting to kind of get better. Like people were able to go back to the factories and uh, more employees are, you know, were going back on the floor. So um, yep. that they were yep. able to get a few more million units, um, you know, produced. So, but yeah, I, I think definitely, you know, this year has just been a, a whirlwind of, of craziness. So I, I think that didn't help as well. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. But we'll well, see. we'll have to wait and see what happens. I feel like this week we're going to find out from Sony. I do think we'll get an official release date and price this week. I think even if they hadn't planned on it, they need to communicate that this week because next week Xboxes go on pre-order. And if, if I in the back of my mind know, well, Sony's is the same price and I can pre-order that starting in October, then I might actually wait. But if I don't know any of that, I don't know price, don't know when I can pre-order, then if I've only got $500 to spend that fall, I might go ahead and 
jump in with Xbox. So Sony, I hope will deliver that info this week. We will find out. Hopefully they announce that I can do pre-orders on my birthday, which is the day after the 16th. That'd be a nice little present. So. That would be nice. Yeah. Hey, for my birthday, could you guys open pre-orders? That'd be great. Yeah. Can you just give me a PlayStation 5? <laughs> now, that would be something. That'd be a smooth move by Sony if they were yes, like, this absolutely. is the price, this yeah. is the availability. And by the way, you can pre-order starting at midnight tonight or something like that. That'd yeah. be that'd be amazing. But All right. Well, that wraps us up for this week. Thank you, Dan and Derek, for jumping on. I know it's been kind of a weird weekend of on again, off again. But thank you. Appreciate it. And we will talk to you guys next week. Here we go. Well, I do seem to attract the scum of the earth. Yeah, that sounds about right. Watch out! Boy, you are not ready. Pikachu! PlayStation. Do what you were born to do. You are a hero. Finishing this fight.